The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, League Cup semi-final first legs. Everton on their last legs and spurned for Spurs by their new star signing. We'll be talking about FA Cup, Man City against Arsenal, Brighton, Liverpool, Wrexham against the Blades, who will make almost as early an exit as Dan Juma at Goodison, plus forthright thoughts on all the fourth round fixtures in this Totally Football Show. Thursday, January 26th, everybody, it's your Totally Show, composed today of Duncan Alexander. Hi, Duncan. Hello. Adrian Clark. Hiya. Hi, Adrian. And Nancy Frostick. Hello, Nancy. Hiya. Your full debut on the Totally Show. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I, I did some Football League ones, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sadly, that's not there anymore. Although there is, Adrian, what the EFL, isn't there? Correct, yeah. Right. Thank you very much for the plug. Yeah, we're still going strong. It's all good. Yep, nice. A lot of, uh, lot of people celebrating this week. Adrian, you're all up in this uh, Arsenal treble business, I know, after, <laughs> after Monday's result. Uh, Duncan, you've had a, a, a vote Veghorst goal to get excited about. Yeah, and Wickham won the M40 Classico, so it's been some week, yeah. All right, remind me who that's with. Well, with, with Oxford, obviously. So, oh, right, uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and, uh, well, Nancy, how's your week been? Have you had much to celebrate beyond the fact that your team Saints got beaten by Newcastle? I know, all uh, all excitement. Um, to be fair, I had a very exciting Tuesday night um, at Port Vale, so oh. watching Derby smash in two very quick goals and... Uh, Steal the points there, so that was pretty good. Oh, right. Is there any other kind of night you can have in Port Vale? I wonder. We'll, we'll touch on that issue and, and Derby County and, and other things. Later on, uh, we should probably talk about Everton's exciting week as well. Everton, they fired a, a manager. Uh, they lined up a new striker who vowed to do his best to keep them up. Uh, then he joined Spurs instead. And finally, they get themselves put up for sale, reportedly, although Farad Mashiri denies that hmm they have the weekend off they're not in the cup and then they have arsenal when the league returns next saturday uh just taking us through these points uh the frank uh, lampard departure not a surprise marcelo bielsa has apparently said no thanks which is possibly for the best question mark uh, who's likely to come in now what, what what's the thinking i think this is taylor made for sean dice isn't it i don't really know why he wasn't number one choice anyway he they need to stabilize they need to to get a manager that could make them Absolutely. a little bit tougher no, to beat no, i mean yeah you're preaching to the converted here adrian mm. but uh, who do everton think though any word on this because i see duncan ferguson's busy taking the forest green rovers job yeah that came out of of nowhere really and it's a lovely image thinking of duncan ferguson and you know vegan burgers and sustainability <laughs> I'm looking forward to any sort of little videos he does but I mean Everton are in a strange position in the sense that they are a massive historic club but they're in a very bad parlour state so I think the manager they think they should be able to get probably doesn't match with the situation they're in so you know and we've talked before about how other clubs down the bottom of the Premier League this season made their change before the World Cup and I think that's benefited quite a few of them so it is an increasingly difficult position for Everton and um, you know particularly with a few days the transfer window left we've seen Dan Juma not go there I can't see many other players deciding to want to go there because you know what are you actually going into right only open till Tuesday of course the transfer window so anybody coming in who has any plans will have to execute them quickly although we have seen with the Dan Juma transfer how very fast things can move what 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 did you make of that Nancy the uh, Arnat Dan Juma did it did it feel morally wrong or do you think that Given that it was, I guess, Lampard who'd invited him in and he was no longer there, Dan Juma had every right to walk away. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a smart move for uh, for the player because I think, you know, if it was me and, and if Frank Lampard's been so involved in pitching Everton to, to him, which I presume, you know, they might need a bit of pitching at the moment, <laughs> given the state they're in. It's kind of, yeah, if, if, if that guy that you've had key conversations with isn't there anymore, I, I mean, it, it's not out of the question to think, mm, okay, 
maybe maybe I don't fancy that challenge and go somewhere else. You only have to look at Aubameyang at Chelsea this season, obviously signed up for Thomas Tuchel, who he knew, um, and got, was it, about eight minutes under him, which for me isn't enough to show what you can do. <laughs> it, happened agent might remember. it happened to me once, actually. Did it, and y- Yeah, I agreed a move to Southend United from Arsenal with Ronnie Whelan, the Liverpool legend who'd been in charge. I'd been, I'd been there on loan. And it was all sorted. And then he, and then he got in, embroiled in a bit of a row with a hierarchy and quit. And so it left me in a really difficult position. It was the summer. Pre-season was about to start. And I was out of contract. So I kind of needed to get sorted. And it was like, oh, what do I do? And I took the easy option and stayed because, because I knew the club and, and, and the players. And I had fun there. But I signed for no manager, which is absolutely mental. And it's a really <laughs> stupid thing to do because you're, that, that new manager glow that you get of, of, of the guy who's picked you, mm. um, it, it just vanishes, doesn't it? So um, Alvin Martin came in and one of the first players he signed after a successful trial was Nathan Jones, uh, Southampton manager now. And guess which position he played in? Mine. <laughs> so, so, so um, yeah, I, w- I think well done, Art and Out Dan Juma, for, for walking away. Um, mm. It worked out fine. We worked out, I played right wing, he played left or left back, left wing. It, it, was, it was okay, but it was a very risky maneuver on my part, and I wouldn't recommend it to, to anybody. Sign for a manager that actually you know, brought you in themselves. In this case, Antonio Conte, are you excited to see how Grunweit, uh, aka. Dan Juma will do at Spurs? I mean, he's got really good two-footed players. Spurs are amassing probably the biggest collection of two-footed players in the world. They've already got Harry Kane and, and Son, and now Dan Juma as well. So Is three the biggest collection of two-footed players in the world? <laughs> I think it might be. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it gives them, them more options up there, and uh, I think Spurs you know, might do a bit more business before, before Tuesday, but... Um, in a way, you could. Adrian's point there is sort of, you know, applies to Tottenham in a sense. I know Jan Juma's on loan, so that doesn't apply. But going there permanently, you don't feel like Antonio Conte is going to be round for a long time. So, um, but I guess that is part part and parcel of the mm. modern game. Absolutely. All right, Everton have the weekend off as they try and sort themselves out. Thirty-two teams in the FA Cup fourth round don't though. Let's talk about those fourth round fixtures next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. All right, FA Cup fourth round begins on Friday night. Quite an interesting fixture Manchester City against Arsenal. It's available on ITV. It's one of six televised games between um, Friday and Monday. You can also enjoy Saturday lunchtime on the BBC. Accrington Stanley taking on Leeds United. Later on that day, there's Preston North End against Spurs. And also televised on Saturday, Man United against Reading. Duncan finds that funny for some reason. We'll find out (laughs) why later on. Sunday, something you'd like to share with the rest of us, Duncan. Yeah, I'll share it now if you want. Yeah. I mean, just Manchester United on TV in the FA Cup. I think that's 80 of the last 81 FA Cup ties have been live on TV. So, All right, then. What about Liverpool? They're on TV as well. 1.30 on Sunday afternoon on ITV as they visit Brighton and Hove Albion. What could possibly go wrong? Wrexham, lowest-ranked team in the competition and so rarely featured on TV in any way, shape or form, are taking on Sheffield United on Sunday afternoon, that's on the BBC. And on Monday, ITV picks up the reins once again as they bring us Derby County against West Ham United. Ooh. There's loads of other stories too of the non-televised nature, like Saints-Blackpool. First came in charge for new Blackpool manager Mick McCarthy. Hmm. Uh, Nigel Pearson's Bristol City against West Brom. Will Bristol City get a spot kick? This is... As you probably know, Nancy, it's such a bone of contention that fans have a rolling clock on a special website called bristolcitypenalty.co.uk counting uh, up from the last time they were awarded a penalty. Let me just check what it's on. 
445 days, 18 hours, 32 minutes, and 19, no, 20, 21 seconds. You get the picture. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a long time. Website also counts the time gap to the previous one before that, which was about 287 days earlier. So they don't get penalties often, Bristol City. Need There's to start also diving, don't they? Need to start. Need to start a little bit of simulation, just to, just to sort of crack the crack the code. Yeah, I mean, it, why? Yeah, why would that be that a team wouldn't get a penalty for that long? I mean, I don't want to destroy any Bristolian conspiracy theorists, but this happens quite a lot in football. You know, Liverpool haven't had a Liverpool haven't had a penalty in the Premier League this season, and yet historically they get more than anyone else. Teams, sometimes it's down to start of play, the way you kind of enter the penalty area, etc. But, you know, it's not unheard of. I know it is quite a long time. but What's the record, Duncan? um, I'll be honest, I don't know, but probably something in the 1920s when refs forgot the rules for a bit or something. But, um, you know... Did they even have penalties in the the 1920s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it warrants setting up a special website. That's all I'm saying. Oh, see, this is the exact type of petty fan behaviour that I am well behind. <laughs> I enjoy this a lot. Like, go for it, Bristol City fans. You complain to the FA. Yeah. BristolCityPenalty.co.uk if you share Nancy's appreciation of At that. least they got a proper internet suffix. If it had been .net, I don't think anyone would have looked at it. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, Actions and Stanley taking on Leeds at the Wham Stadium. Adrian, you're going to that one. Mm. Um, I am. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been to the Wham Stadium. Why is it called the Wham Stadium? Because um, we haven't oh, won there yeah. since last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. I, I played there back in the day, so it's a long time since since I went. And yeah, it's it's interesting because Leeds matches are always so wild. What will they do here? Because Accrington are the, the sort of team that, that Leeds wouldn't want to play. And I'll explain. Leeds don't really do build-ups. Okay? They just don't under Jesse Marsh. It's all about get the ball forward quickly and attack them at pace, either from a press or, or, or to be pretty direct. They've had the lowest amount of build-up attacks in the whole season, just 16. Uh, Man City have had 110, just to put that into perspective. Um, yet they're going to have to build attacks because Accrington Stanley will absolutely say, come on then, come and break us down. And, and on, if you flip it around, Leeds love to press. Well, if I was Accrington's manager, and this is their style of play anyway, they will boom it. <laughs> they, before, before they get closed down, they'll go mm. from back to front. And, and they'll miss out that press. So I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge for Leeds United. It, it will be an awkward match. Right. But hand on heart, I, th- I think they'll have a little bit too much quality for, for Stanley. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, okay. Could okay. be an upset. It's an early kickoff, isn't it? It's Saturday, 12.30. So will you, will you have to leave home early to get get there? <laughs> I'm going to have to leave it pretty early. Basically, right, I was your, booked for... Will your partner was, say, I'll ask you to wake you up before you, you go-go? <laughs> I wondered where you were going, but yeah, no, that's nice. I'll let you, let you have that. Um, I was actually booked for this game, whether it was Accrington or Boreham Wood. Okay. They only had the, re- they only had the replay uh, yesterday. So, um, right. so yeah, I, it's kind of the short straw because it's a bit further, but I'll take okay. it. Stanley overcoming Bournemouth after extra time on Tuesday. Another triumph for John Coleman, who is the third longest serving manager in English football. He spent over 21 years of his life managing the club across two spells. Current one is uh, eight years so far. I wonder if there's a website for that. John Coleman, Stanley manager with a rolling clock. Two managers have, have been in their, in their roles longer. Do you know who they are? Gareth Ainsworth. Yep. Yeah. Wickham's yeah. Gareth Ainsworth. How long's mm-hmm. that been, Duncan? Uh, just over 10 years. Good Lord. Yeah. And someone's been there even longer, is that right? Well, have they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, technically, it's uh, Simon Weaver at Harrogate, but right. obviously much of that has been out, out of the league. So, in terms But he's of still pure, been the manager. Well, do they need managers in non-league? I'm not sure. Um, what is interesting about that ranking is <laughs> is um, that Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola are fourth and fifth, which right. kind of shows a you know that's quite unusual, I think, given you know their sort of uh, 
star power, but they, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of managerial shuffling over the years. Mm-hmm. Accrington, I know, have won just two of their last 14 league games, whereas Leeds have only won one in nine. Good Lord. Anyway, chances of an upset there. What do you think, Adrian? Uh, slim, but because Accrington aren't playing very well. But but stylistically, as I've explained, I do think they'll be quite awkward for mm. Leeds United. Whenever When they've played the best teams in their league, Accrington, it's not been good. Uh, their record against the top eight in League One is lost nine, drawn one, one zero. So so they're up against it. Um, but you never know. Well, you don't do you? That's the magic of the cup. Equally, League Two high flies Stevenage, who put out Villa in the last round. They're going to be visiting Championship side Stoke that Sunday at two o'clock. Could be one to keep an eye on. As could the game Sunday afternoon at the Racecourse Ground as Wrexham take on Sheffield United. A lot of giant-killing pedigree in this game. Yeah, well, Phil Parkinson is a good cup coach, isn't he? He's the one that took Bradford all the way to the League Cup final. And he's got a really good squad of players. I think that Wrexham, if they were in the EFL, would be flying high at least at the top end of League League Two. They, they're probably not far off of being League One standard, if I'm honest. They've scored 70 goals in only 27 games this season, Wrexham. So they'll offer a threat. They got four, remember, against Coventry in the last round. Um, almost lost the game, but but they did score four. So so I don't think Sheffield United can take liberties here. But I'll tell you what, Sheffield United are a good team. Really mm. good. And I, th- I think we'll be seeing them in the uh, in the Premier League in just a few months' time. They're, they're absolutely flying. Illiman and Jai, look out for him. He's a, he's a real talent. 10 goals this season and and yeah I I think I think they're on the way back Sheffield United but this is this has got the makings of um of a decent game it won't be easy for the blades because Wrexham have a 100% record at the racecourse ground this season in the national league so um yeah tough why why are Wrexham so good is it hollywood money or is it a well managed club bit of both um anyone who hasn't watched the I think pretty good series they made. I think they're doing another one this based on this season. Mm. Um, it is a mixture. I think you know that they have brought in some players from, as Adrian kind of hinted at, like League One level players, which obviously helps. I think the the top of um, the top of the National League at the moment is probably as high quality as it ever has been. Um, but obviously, it's p- probably the hardest division to get out of, and Wrexham found that last year, losing the playoffs. But but yeah, they they've got. I mean, Paul Marlin is great. Um, you know, he's probably the the biggest name they've got there. And there was an amazing tweet from someone in America a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, saying, "Why doesn't Gareth Southgate try him out? Because he looks really good." So it's probably a bit of a bit of a leap. But um, <laughs> but um, I think I think a program like the documentary on Wrexham is good because I think a lot of people have a kind of vested interest in them now, and, and you know, some of their players have become if not household names, then at least a bit known. And I think that only adds to the sort of the drama of this match. I think this this game has probably got the most classic FA Cup feeling surrounding it. And um, it's in a really good slot as well, Sunday at half four. So, yeah, I think this is... If you're going to watch one game in the Cup this weekend, I would, I'd pick this one. Would you pick this one, really, rather mm. than, say, Brighton-Liverpool or Friday night's whopping Manchester City-Arsenal? I think the... Well, yeah, all right, maybe that one if you like big names. But I think the atmosphere at the racecourse ground will be good. As, as the documentary says in pretty much every other line, it's the oldest international ground in the world. Um, and, you know, I think that ground will see some some development soon. That's one of the storylines in the first series is, oh. you know, getting control of that stadium and being able to develop it because obviously one stand has been sort of semi-condemned for quite a long time. But, but yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be really good. Will the owners be there, do you think, Sunday, 4.30? Will Ryan and Rob, will they be there sprinkling a little bit of stardust on the occasion? They did show up for quite a few in the documentary. Like I think their first game was, was it Maidstone away or something? Which was just like, <laughs> it was a bit surreal really to watch them, you know, walk into a tiny little stand. But I imagine, I imagine they will. I mean, they did the uh, that famous sort of clip of them celebrating, uh, was it the FA trophy or the vows final and they um the trophy final yeah yeah they, they thought, thought they'd, they'd scored and it was offside and you know 
thank you much Twitter derision for Americans investing in English football. But um, yeah. But I think to be fair to them, you know, seeing two Hollywood stars by you know British football club is a little bit what's going on here. But they come across pretty well in that in that series. Mm. I don't know if you agree, Nancy. But you know, like um, Rob in particular is like a massive sports fan, and he kind of gets, I think, that what you know, lower league football is about. And um, yeah, I'm sure their financial strength helps in a way, but I think, you know, they're there for the right reasons. I do think the owners are quite sincere, um, you know, and genuine. And it comes across, obviously, watching the documentary with a little pinch of salt, because I think they produce it themselves and stuff. So <laughs> you kind of always have to have that in the back of your mind. But um, but like, the you know, the way they've focus a lot on the community work and and everything as well kind of shows that it's a lot more to them than just sort of the vanity project that they're, they're not afraid to kind of poke fun at themselves and and suggest you know answer those uh criticisms or whatever that other national league fans might have but um all of their big games it seems um seem to have massively dramatic score lines and um loads of goals so uh I can see why they put this one on telly, even if they are probably the most televised <laughs> team outside of the Premier League, it feels, at the moment. Um, but for good reason. They're entertaining. They're uh, an interesting prospect. Yeah, I mean, Nancy mentioned goals. They obviously they lost the home leg of the of the National League playoffs 5-4 to Grimsby last year. And then earlier this season beat Barnett 7-5. A rare 12-goal thriller. I think that counts as a 12-goal thriller. And it's a good story, you know. It's like Wrexham are a really storied club, and they have been in in the doldrums for so long, you know, stuck in that division for for so long. And um, yeah, it'll be good. Um, if I'm sure there'll be, you know, many National League fans now go, no, it won't be good if they go up. But you know, <laughs> someone's got to go up. Someone has to go up. Someone's got to win this game as well. Although there could be a replay. Sheffield United are in form, as Adrian was hinting. They're currently second in the Championship, unbeaten in nine games. They are 13 points ahead of the side in third place in the Championship, Watford. Oof. All right, well, mention some of the other games coming up and that big one on Friday night. Let's move on to Man City Arsenal next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tony Football Show is going back on the road live and that. We're at the Leicester Square Theatre on the 4th of April. Uh, I say we, that's me, Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and you, Duncan Alexander. Sounds like an exciting lineup. I can't wait to hear what they've got to say. If you would like to be part of that whole experience, then head along to leicestersquaretheatre.com. But hurry, 
because as I mentioned before, I've looked at the map of seats and you know it's they're, they're winking out. Bing, there goes another one. All right, FA Cup, Friday eight o'clock, Man City face Arsenal. These two sides, big scorers, both in the third round. The Gunners eased past Oxford United 3-0. Pep Guardiola's Man City thumped Chelsea 4-0 to set up this tie. Crikey. Uh, I mean, it's big. It's big because it's Arsenal and Man City. It's big because it's the FA Cup fourth round. It's big because they're the title rivals and they're going to be going at it in the league in three weeks' time as well. Arsenal have lost 12 of their last 13 meetings with Man City. Adrian, why is this going to be different? <laughs> well, it, it might not be different. Um, I don't think anybody will be, you know, um, assuming this is going to be an Arsenal win. Uh, they've not scored at the Etihad for, for going on four years. So it's it's been a bit of a bogey fixture for Arsenal. They do have a really good record against City in the FA Cup, though. Um, obviously famously beat them in the semi-final. I think they've won... Um, quite a few of the most recent meetings in this competition. They've so, won no, the last four, the last four meetings in the FA Cup. Yeah, uh, ah, good knowledge, James. I like it. Um, I, yeah, I, I knew that, I was onto yeah. something, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. So, um, but look, this is interesting for so many reasons, not least because they haven't met for over a year, which is quite unusual, isn't it, in in Premier League football? Um, January the first, twenty twenty two, was the last time they met. Arsenal played brilliantly, but lost by two goals to one. And a lot of a lot of gooners, probably myself included, see this as the watershed moment for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. Because prior to that match, the team weren't strong enough in Arteta's eyes to go toe-to-toe with a big gun. So what we used to see was a real counter-attacking style, hardly any possession. They were never really brave enough to press or commit to it. But in this match, Arsenal went for it. They pressed and they caused them all sorts of problems and, and, and took the fight to them in what was really a precursor to the style of football we now see for, from Arsenal this season. So we got our first glimpse of where Arteta wanted to take the team the last time he met Pep Guardiola. And, and yeah, in that year, Arsenal have improved massively. So they've got a chance here. I really mm. do feel they've got a chance. Do you think this could be a watershed moment for this season, for this title campaign? I don't know, is the honest answer, because I think the only way it's a, a major watershed moment is if City batter Arsenal. Then I think they will have a, a, a real psychological advantage. They'll be elevated by that and Arsenal might be dented. Um, certainly their morale and belief might be. Any other result, and I don't think it matters greatly, I think if Arsenal win... They become one of the favourites for the cup. If they lose, City get that that sort of fixture pile up that Arsenal wouldn't, and they can concentrate on the league. So I think I think Mikel Arteta will be as laid back as he can be about the game. Um, he's not that type, is he? But but I don't think the result will greatly matter unless it's a really one sided match. Either way, that's okay. how I see it. Do you think as Pep prepares to face? his former assistant, Mikel, that he will have prepared something very special tactically. My mind goes back to when Man City took on Chelsea ahead of the Champions League final. They met them in the league and Pep threw everybody by fielding uh, Raheem Sterling in central midfield. Ha! <laughs> he likes to do it. He likes to do a curveball, doesn't he? Mm. And I think when, when, you meet, when he meets a team... In close succession, Pep Guardiola, he he almost always tries something a bit a bit oddball, a bit unusual, and um, yeah, I, either it's in this game or it'll be in the Premier League one on February the fifteenth. Personally, mm. I hope that he tries something random in that game. Um, in the he Premier tried League something, one, yeah, he, he tried something different against Chelsea recently. It didn't work, and he ripped it up at half time, and they sort of scrambled to win. But but if he was to try something against Arsenal in that Premier League match. I think that might be good news for um, for Mikel Arteta. Right. Nancy Duncan, are you excited about this game? I always quite enjoy uh, early you know, Premier League against Premier League teams on the basis that get as many of them out as early as possible so we can get EFL teams and non-league teams doing you know nice deep runs if we can. But uh, no, but seriously, I, I think um, I think it will be 
quite interesting because it's always well it feels like it's always sort of mind games and stuff with pet whether it's like the weird over enthusiastic oh they're so so good you know before in the press conferences and all that and it's you know kind of the way he um puts himself across and he kind of went on that weird rant as well the other day in the in the post-match um press conference so um yeah it's kind of hard to know uh how how they'll be with each other i don't know pep and and arteta is interesting well, it's got the potential to to take that sort of vibe and maximise it more than we've ever seen before. I think because they, you know, they are friends and they do respect each other. It's like master and apprentice face, facing each other. I think I think Arteta might try something different as well. I think both of them will definitely want to keep their, you know, their cards under the table ahead of the league game. So I think this game, it's quite a hard one to call, and it could see some pretty random random events. Um, to Nancy's point about getting the Premier League. Um, teams out 11 left already which is the lowest at this stage for 15 years so for any sort of EFL team you know there's depending on the draw there is a really good chance of a, of a deep run so mm. it could be a classic addition there is a sort of precedent for this kind of situation it dates dates back to 2008 when Arsenal were top of the league and flying under Arsene Wenger they went to Manchester United in the cup and got smashed 4-0 chips it right across Fletcher's there If you remember, just a few weeks later, there was that game against Birmingham where Gallas um, staged a one-man sit-down protest on the pitch in a bit of a weird sulk. And and they capitulated. The, The team fell apart in the second half of the season and finished third. I've been asked to talk about that on the radio and, and, and sort of compare it to now. And my view is that... <laughs> is that it's really different now and that, that Arteta has this team under a pretty tight leash discipline-wise. There are no egos. They're a pretty humble group of players. And I don't, I just don't see, don't see one bad game derailing the team completely. I just think they're able to, they'll be able to control themselves a little bit better than they did back then when they had some you know, big characters um, you know, that, that were very outspoken. I think this group is more together. So even if the worst happens... And they do get beaten heavily. I don't think it will be the precursor to a, to an absolute collapse. Okay, I'm excited about it because it's a Friday Friday night game, so it feels like you know sneaky preview. They, are they statistically do they add up to particularly exciting games Friday? Because I remember Duncan, you got a list of which day of the week it's good to have football matches on. Is this a- is it any day of the week's good any, for a football any match? Day. No, no, right, no I mean some more propitious. Yeah, I mean. Tuesday and Wednesday in, in league terms are the lowest scoring days, which I think doesn't fit. Some people think floodlights plus midweek action yeah. equals goals, but yeah. not necessarily. But I think Friday nights, are, I think the players, are, it you know brings to mind maybe Brentford Stadium, which won't be applicable this weekend, obviously. Mm. But um, it's that okay. sort of vibe. So yeah, be good. All right, Duncan. Well, from Friday football to Wednesday football now. Sheffield Wednesday, that is, who are taking on Fleetwood on Saturday in the fourth round. They've only just beaten the Fishermen. Have the Owls one uh, nil? That was last Saturday. Nancy, you used to be on the Sheffield Wednesday beat for the Athletic. I did. Yeah, it was. Um, well, they were they weren't doing as well as they are now, shall we say? <laughs> I think they're just going to be too strong for Fleetwood. They're, they're on a a great run. Um, I think last time I checked, Darren Moore's got the best win record of any Wednesday manager, or at least for a very very long time anyway going back in in their quite a storied list of of former managers um so yeah I, I think um Wednesday just they've got too many ways of of winning if that makes sense you know they're not just kind of one-dimensional they they've got so many different players they can bring on and actually you know one of obviously the strongest squads in in League One so I think Fleetwood can be tricky um they, they can be hard to get past but I, I think I think Wednesday will all manage it fairly comfortably. All right. Other games, and stop me if there's something you want to shout about. Fulham are taking on Sunderland. Anyone? Walsall Leicester then. Walsall, managed by Michael Flynn, who knocked Leicester out of the FA Cup with Newport four years ago. I mean, and Leicester, you know. Oh, so bad at the moment, James. So bad. Um, Obviously, last time out, slight improvement. A little bit more life about them with James Madison back in the team, but... You can't rely on Leicester without the ball at the moment to to keep the opposition at bay. And 
Walsall are actually in really good form in League Two. Uh, Flynn is a bit of a cup expert from his time at Newport. And I was looking at set plays around this game and Walsall have the best record from corners and wide free kicks in League Two. And a lot of teams focus heavily on that in League League One and League Two. So, so they're really good from those positions. And as we all know, Leicester still haven't nailed it. They're, they're a bit of a mess when defending from those those scenarios. So I think it could be a tough one. I'm not saying Walsall will win, but I think this Say has got, it, got a chance. I think it's got a chance. Are they? All right. That, when's that game? Is that Saturday afternoon? 12.30 on Saturday. 12.30 on Saturday. Also coming up on Saturday, there's Blackburn against Birmingham, an all-championship affair. League One's Ipswich take on Championships Burnley. Championships Luton take on League Two's Grimsby. And Premier League Southampton take on Championship, still just about Blackpool. Blackpool are in penultimate spot in the second tier, but will be sporting a brand new manager for this occasion. A Nancy, Mick McCarthy. Woof. I know, what a time to be a Southampton fan coming up against Mick McCarthy back in the hot seat. Um, it, yeah, it's a bit, um, I don't know if if the others agree, but it's a bit random in terms of Blackpool's uh, managerial kind of turnover to go from Neil Critchley to Michael Appleton to Mick McCarthy. You kind of, I'm not quite sure. I mean, obviously they're in, they're in a spot of bother. They need to get out of that. And, you know, he'll be someone that can help do that. But I don't know if kind of after those... Well, especially after Critchley kind of being such a positive force, what fans will kind of think about that, really. But, um, but yeah, I'm nervous about this one. Are um, you? I could, second, yeah. Second cup game in a week, and, and the first one didn't go too well. No, no, and I'm kind of half glad that I was uh, I was not able to watch because I was working because I, I think it was kind of, um, you know, watching it back. We had the classic uh, Southampton moment of, you know, threatening and then the notification comes through, Newcastle goal, Joel Linton. So it was like, OK, yeah, so we've just, you know. Right. <laughs> and then when you thought you'd equalised, Adam Armstrong denied by the by the VAR. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Which, um, you know, I've my like reason to cling on to supporting uh, VAR in the Premier League was that we were robbed in the last League Cup final when... Uh, Manchester United, um, I definitely think one of their goals was offside and then we had one of ours um, rolled out when Gabbiadini scored. So um, that was that was all I was clinging on to. And now I think we'll probably crash out with no trophy and probably get relegated. So oh, let's move on. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> oh, it is only 1-0 and you've got a second leg to come. That's next True. Wednesday, I guess, is it, at St James's Park? Yeah. This is yeah. Newcastle United Football Club we're talking about. So you never know. <laughs> Two James Will Prowse free kicks will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, a one-nil victory in the first leg for Newcastle. Uh, Saints also seeing Chelitasar sent off for a second yellow after he shoved an opposition player in front of the referee, and was then bid adieu in cheeky fashion by Jacob Murphy. Yeah, a bit naughty, wasn't it? It was a bit cheeky. It was cheeky. I don't know whether there had been beef um, in the build-up to that, but yeah, it was... um, Talk about kick a man while he's down. uh, But I I love to see that, though, don't you? You do. I mean, that kind of of caper. Would I do it? Well, no, did you do it when you were a pro? I might have done, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did like to, did like a little, little wind up every now and again, especially if a player got on my nerves, I might have done. Mm. I, I do remember the aforementioned Nathan Jones, uh, and you might appreciate this, Nancy, as soon as he manages mm. your club now. I bust my lip in half in a match against wow. Plymouth. A, a guy shorter than me, and I'm not the biggest, guy shorter than me uh, jumped upwards into my mouth um, as, as he went for a header literally burst my mouth into two and um it was hanging off <laughs> and as well, i walked off the pit two flaps were basically just kind of yeah yeah and uh, as i walked off teammate nathan jones just started laughing at me <laughs> he just was like look at the state of you look at the state of you he just he found it absolutely hilarious and i had to go in and get it stitched up with no anesthetic which i would never Ooh. ever forget and i've still got the scars now right um, show us but, agent Pardon? Shows the scars. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I, we're <laughs> on a Zoom call. I can't really closer. see. Yeah, you could. Do, oh dear. Oh, yeah. How many? How many? Um, how many stitches was there, Adrian? 
I think there was, I don't know, I want to say seven or eight. I don't, I don't, but you I don't felt know. everyone with no anaesthetic. Yeah, it was it was a bit crude back then, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, I was I was sort of um, laughed off the pitch by a teammate, which is um, yeah, probably worse than what what Jacob Murphy did. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, all right, we'll move on from Saints, Nancy. I get the impression you don't want to talk about Saints. <laughs> I mean, I can, but it might make everything a bit depressing on here. All right, okay. this time yet for a turnaround. <laughs> Well, uh, so the game coming up against Blackpool, possibly that's where the uh, good news, because things have gone a bit better in the Cup uh, for Nathan Jones uh, since his arrival at St Mary's. But anyway, elsewhere, let's see. Oh, well, there was the other League Cup semi-final, of course, wasn't there? Featuring Man United and Nottingham Forest. Shall we talk about that next? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Mystery with a chance here. Oh, Nico Williams with a brilliant challenge, but he hasn't got it away. Fernandez! The lead is commanding. The lead is surely unassailable. Freezing Wednesday night in Nottingham. Forest taking on Man United and a Ten Hag side winning 3-0 the goals. Marcus Rashford after six minutes. That's now 10 in 10 games in all competitions for him. Sam Surridge thought he'd made it 2-2 two two for him, but there was a VAR offside call on that. And then Man United struck again, struck half-time through Rotvenkhorst and then Brunschlunsch late on. <laughs> Right. Uh, Duncan, you were watching this. Yeah, it was a good. It was a I do think that the the League Cup semis are you know, some of the early rounds can drag maybe, but they are generally as a two-legged affair a really really good point of the season and and both this week lived up to that. And this game particularly, you know, Forest back in a semi-final, Pack City ground, United fans making a lot of noise. United came out and played in a way that if you go back to the autumn, we thought they might never do again. You know, just totally assured. Rashford sort of unplayable, bursting through to open the scoring. You know, the the predatory Valt Veghorst equalising um, from you know quite a, quite a fast rebound. And then, you know, pretty much putting the tie beyond Forest reach with, with the third goal late on. Lovely little dinked assist or scooped assist from Anthony Langer and Bruno Fernandes with a half volley. But... But yeah, United looked really, really good. Um, and I think what sums up this, how seriously teams are taking this competition is that assuming, sorry Nancy, assuming Newcastle do get through in the second leg and it's Newcastle Man United, 
we can be pretty sure that the goalkeepers at Wembley are going to be the first choice goalkeepers. You know, it's going to be Nick Pope against David De Gea. There's going to be none of this. Let's give Willy Caballero a game. That sort of vibe. It's definitely going to be two teams desperate to win a trophy because it could kickstart a big period of success for either of them. So, mm. um, so yeah, looking forward to both the second legs uh, and the final. Uh, United haven't picked up any silverware since 2017. Newcastle, it's what longer than that, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, domestic trophy would be the FA Cup in the 50s. I mean, there's the Intercity Fairs Cup, but, you know, that's more of a sort of... More of a eco What was the... I mean, you hear tell of it in much the same way as, you know, the the legends of old. What was it? Well, if you ever try and use data from that competition, UEFA get really annoyed because it wasn't a UEFA competition. It was a kind of like invitational... Intercity Fairs Trade Confederation, basically like the plot of you know the Star Wars prequels, but with football involved. And um, you know there was a Lon- one year there was a London team that played in it with sort of combined players from London clubs. And Seriously, it, 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 did it Jimmy Greaves of... score in it? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and but do it, his it goals of... count? No, they well. They would count, but not in a UEFA sense. So it, it kind of got turned into the UEFA Cup, but it, they are two very separate competitions. But yeah, I'm sure Newcastle fans think fondly of it, but it's not not a fully fledged competition. So at some point, did it did it feature teams from regions that were composed not of club lineups but of regional? So there would be a London outfit against, say, Northeast outfit against, say, Manchester outfit. That's terrific. no, it was a it was a continental trophy so oh. it was like yeah so you'd get you know Ajax versus a London 11 and games like that so that's why I think it doesn't have the sort of official stance in a lot of ways but you know it's more than most clubs have won so mm. well done Newcastle there you go well perhaps <laughs> this season we'll see them add a more relevant bit of uh, a trophiness to the to that bare bare cabinet uh, Man United three nil up from the first leg will be going again at home to Forest on Tuesday. Before that, they've got Reading on Saturday. Reading, of course, managed by former Man United governor Paul Ince. Oof. How's he doing at, at Reading? He, it was a great start of late. Not so good of late. He, he's already stayed far, far longer than I expected him to. It was an appointment that was kind of ridiculed at the time because he just happened to be Tom Ince's dad mm. who was going to the well, games I mean, and they were, they were looking for a manager. Right. Um, and it was like, well, he, he played quite an active part in being Tom Ince's dad. It's not like <laughs> yeah. it just kind of yeah. happened to him. Took over the role in, in 2015. <laughs> but he hadn't he hadn't been a gaffer for, for eight, years eight, and years and years. years. He was just going there to watch yeah. his kid on loan and right. they said, do you fancy the gig? And and But he's done really well. He has. But... Literally, is that how it happened? He was there by the touchline in training they went we're short a manager have you got a tracksuit <laughs> I don't think so I think I don't think he was would have been at training but he would have been going to the games and maybe right. he struck up a rapport with the hierarchy I'm sure they would have sorted him out with the posh seats uh-huh. and maybe they got to know each other and when they made a change um they they went to him and said do you fancy it which which to, to everyone on the outside was like what where's this come from but but he's actually done okay, and um, they're, they're up and down. They win some, they lose some. Most of their away games, they lose. Um, and he's he's made it a little bit of a Premier League old boys eleven at, mm. at Reading. So Tom Ince, you think, well, he's been around a bit. Well, it powers into insignificance with some of the other guys. Andy Carroll's there. Shane Long is a Reading player. Baba Rahman formerly of Chelsea, is uh, is at Reading, as is Scott Dan, who, who obviously played lots and lots of times for, for Crystal Palace. So, yeah, lo- loads of golden oldies or sort wow, of Wow, it's like an Interfairs trophy kind of Premier League <laughs> Premier League years 11 against Man United. Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe. Maybe that's why it's on TV. Maybe it's nothing to do with Manchester United. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, Man United Reading is, I think they've met, 22 times and 15 of them have been in the FA Cup. It is the most FA Cup tie that you can get, pretty much. And really? they should be banned for 20 years just to sort of, you know, level people out for a bit. But, but yeah, and the ints going back to Old Trafford is a, is a nice angle anyway. Hmm. All right, then. Uh, what nice angles can you find for Brighton-Liverpool, which is taking place 1.30 on Sunday afternoon? 
Nancy, you're going to get a Premier League side out of the competition here, so there's that. <laughs> also, should get some goals, no? We saw six when the two sides met at Anfield in Deserby's first game in charge of Brighton. Then, what was it, a 3-0 win for Brighton two weeks ago when Liverpool went down to the Alex. Yeah, um, um, you make it sound like I'm on a one-woman mission to eliminate Premier League teams. I mean, but I, I mean let's do it, yeah. No, um, I, I, I'm fascinated by this. Um, I suppose... With a bit of envy as well. I think there's probably a lot of envy if you're a uh, fan of a sort of middling to clinging on Premier League team and you're looking at Brighton and you think, right, OK, so they're doing everything that we should be doing. Um, or, you know, they've done it first, they've done it better. Um, and yeah, that win a few weeks ago was unbelievable to see that pop up on, uh, you know, the scores if you were somewhere else. And I think Joey Derso, who uh, writes for The Athletic, tweeted... Um, last week to say they're a bit like the sugar babes they can sell or get rid of one of their members and they just recruit someone in the same role who's you know as good if not uh if not better so um, yeah yeah <laughs> and there's no better analogy for it really so obviously that you know they've they've lost Potter they've lost a couple of players and uh to Chelsea especially but um I, I quite fancy them for this I don't know mm. I just can't see mm. Liverpool getting out of the funk yeah, and they've and they've got a new youngster out of the Sugar Babes Academy, haven't they? In uh, Evan Ferguson, who looks the real deal, by the way. Um, I know that people over in Ireland are really excited about about this kid. He's eighteen, and they think he's he's the most talented young Irish player since Robbie Keane. So you're going back quite quite a long way days. I've seen bits of him. He obviously came on against Arsenal and scored. Really good goal. He's got excellent movement. Tall. Bit of skill. Bit of pace. Just an all-rounder, really. Probably more more Kane than Keane. But but he looks he looks excellent. He's got three goals and two assists in 199 Premier League minutes, mm. which means he's contributed to a goal once every 40 minutes. Good Lord. Which isn't bad for an 18-year-old that never played in the Premier League until a few weeks ago. I think he's one to look out for, for sure. Mm. What do you think of Brighton's chances, not just in this game against a frankly struggling Liverpool, a Liverpool side that's only scored one goal in three and is giving up loads at the other end, mm. but in general in the competition, how highly do they? Do you fancy them as, as, as dark horses for the cup? I hope they go all the way. Um, they, If you look at a team like Brighton, they're unlikely to come in the top four, even though they are flying high. So they're in no danger of, of, you know, relegation or anything. They should prioritise the FA Cup. You know, their fans would... I mean, that would, would be a, a story for the for the ages, for Brighton fans. So, obviously, Brighton got to the Cup final in 1983. They had that famous, and Smith must score. Spoiler, he didn't. And then they, they lost heavily to Man United. But for a club like Brighton, winning the FA Cup would, would be massive. And I, I really hope that they, they prioritise it and, yeah, maybe go and do it. There you go. That game's uh, lunchtime Sunday. Also coming up this weekend, Saturday, 6 o'clock, Preston North End against Spurs. Spurs, who got back to winning ways on Monday night in their 1-0 win against Fulham. Who scored for Spurs? Harry Kane scored. He's now on 266, which may or may not equal Jimmy Greaves' Tottenham goal-scoring record. Because Greaves had two goals that he scored in the 1962 Charity Shield taken away from him when it was declassified as a competitive fixture in 2014. OK, Duncan, uh, on the subject of stats, I'm going to go to you on this. Mm. Should those goals count or not? Not for me. I'd, really? I'd, I don't think the Charity slash Community Shield slash London Mayor's Shield, whatever it was called before, um, should count as a competitive Why fixture. Why not? So. I mean, it's well. Super Cup goals count and it's a Super Cup. But the it's always been played in the spirit of a friendly that game. You know he had goalkeeper scoring for Manchester United. It's yeah, it's not for me. So I think Jimmy Greaves scored enough goals in his career. He can have, he can afford to have a couple taken. And off. sooner or later, Kane's going to pass him. Even if he had two hundred and sixty-eight, is he going to pass him in this game here, Nancy? What what about Preston North End? What what are they about? Yeah, well, they, they've been quite an interesting side to watch this season because they just like kept drawing and drawing and drawing at the uh, at the start of the season, but were really tough to break down. And uh, they've got Freddie Woodman in goal, who was sensational on loan at Swansea a couple of years ago, um, and then sort of went back to Newcastle and 
the takeover happens and maybe falls down the pecking order a bit. So they've got him. They've got a lot of other players that you know people would um, would recognise as well. So ultimately, I think Spurs will, will you know be too strong for them. But they're an interesting sort of prospect, and Ryan Lowe's doing quite a good job, I think, of keeping them in the playoff mix in the championship. So it's just whether you know they decide to prioritise that and having a shot. At, breaking into the top six or whether the cup scene is a distraction which is the the question for everyone really if you're mm. you know if you've got league ambitions how much of a distraction is a cup yeah they need to just pretend they're away uh, and it might feel like an away game because Spurs will probably have a lot of the ball but they're really bad at home Preston it's, it's bizarre they've got the third worst record in the championship on their own patch they've only scored eight goals in 14 home games only won three of those so yeah, yeah, they've they've got the joint best away record in the championship. So, so yeah, if they can sort of yeah protect, transport themselves and make, make themselves think they're they're on the road, um, then they might do better. Okay, they'll also be without striker Troy Parrott in this game because he is on loan from Spurs. Mm. Yeah, mm. but he's not really been in the team. They've, Has he they've not? got Rory Delap's son, who's who ah, has Liam. been in the team of late, Liam Delap. Um, Ched Evans is there, who's actually been doing really well in the last few months. So, um, yeah, he's, he's sort of been coming off the bench, Troy Parrott. Uh, so, yeah, Likes to play went... off the shoulder, doesn't he? So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, just on the subject of goalkeepers, we should point out that um, in 1888-89, Preston rotated their goalkeepers and uh, they had no. James Trainer playing most of the league games and Robert Mills Roberts, which is a great name, um, playing in the cup. So, you know, anyone that thinks it's a modern affliction, you know, rotating your keepers for cups, not so. Wow, game changers. Uh, on Monday, it's Derby against West Ham. Nancy. A big one, a massive one at Pride Park. Um, quite fancy Derby for this, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, it might just be because I've spent... A day with them at the, at the training ground for a piece uh, in the past week but um, look they're a team that will not roll over and they will not give up until the very very end um, which is kind of what like defined the whole of our season for them obviously for all the administration and you know their, their chant with Derby County will fight to the end and everything but it's kind of carried over into this season it was at Port Vale on Tuesday night they scored two goals in under two minutes um, Paul Warren's got them really well organised. The pitch wasn't great for them. They couldn't really get it down and get it up the wings quickly, which is kind of what they like to do. Um, they had to be a bit industrial and they they found a way to do it. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out. Um, I think being at home will really help them because, you know, 30,000 in Pride Park is quite, quite a you know, daunting prospect, really, um, given how unified it all feels there at the minute. So, and given where West Ham are as well. Well, right. I mean, you mentioned teams with league ambitions or league concerns and how much the cup will be uh, foremost or not in their minds. Uh, that's certainly, you'd think, the case with West Ham. Derby, as you mentioned, on a terrific run of form. They've won their last five games. They haven't haven't been defeated in 14 now. So, ooh, yeah, could be a could be a tricky Monday night game, that one, for the Hammers. I think so, yeah. And and David Moyes doesn't have a great record, does he, in the FA Cup? I, I was looking at his results in it across the last 10 years. He's not gone past round five in the last decade, David Moyes. So, yeah, I, I'm with Nancy here. I can see something happening. I really like Paul Warren, the manager. He'll get them to press and be aggressive and... And hungry. They've got David McGoldrick up top, who's a bit of a match-winning talent. I know he's been around a bit, but he's got ability. So, yeah, if West Ham don't fancy it, they could come a cropper. I mean, we talked about Brighton, you know, taking the cup seriously this year. West Ham are the epitome of a team who will be like, well, we're in a relegation battle, let's let's rest up. So, yeah, mm. I think Derby got a great chance. And they... They've also got the other cup, the Europa Conference League, to concern themselves with. Mm. Good. All right, well, I look forward to that on Monday. Of course, before that game takes place, we'll be back with another Totally Football Show. Monday morning, we'll be rounding up the events so far in the fourth round and other things. So I do hope you'll be joining us for that, listener. For today, many thanks to Nancy. Good to have you on board. To Adrian, to Duncan, to producer Charlie, and you, listener. Have a great weekend, why don't you? We'll be here on Monday. See you then. 
You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.